You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. Welcome to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. My name is Frank, and I'm glad you're here. Over in Baltimore, Maryland, we got Jeff Simpson. It's a good day to be an Orioles fan. Yeah. And then down in Sumter, South Carolina, we got Dumar Pete. Well, hello there. It's a good day to be a Ninja Turtles fan. There we go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Andrew is, I think, doing a uh, big time speaking circuit at summer camps. Nice. And Tim ditched us so he can go to a Blink-182 concert. I hope so, that Andrew is at small things, uh, Lake Aurora because near and dear to my heart. He probably is. Yeah. Uh, Dell, we're sorry that you missed uh, uh, a couple episodes ago. We talked about the uh, uh, SB- no, like last episode, we yeah. talked about um, the SBC oh, yeah. and women in ministry SBC. and That's wild, uh, bro. how Rick Warren was right <laughs> and just, yeah. all these type of things. So, yeah. as Misogyny, I know you, I know that. that uh, <laughs> I know you're no longer at SBC Church, but you are our resident SBCer. Yeah, um, and so uh, we're sorry. He's you SBC it. adjacent. You know. Yeah, yeah our church is pretty much SBC. SBC in spirit, just not in yeah. Deed. Except, mm-hmm. except. I thought you were going to say we got women pastors. I didn't. Know oh that. no, 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 no. <laughs> we 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 have a plurality of elders. <laughs> <laughs> Male oh, <sure>. elders, <laughs> we are we are traditional Baptist, I should say, in that regard. Gotcha. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we have uh, uh, two questions that come from the uh, the, uh, the the, the internet, the internets, the webs. Uh, what, what what Al Gore made? Um, but Delmar, <laughs> Thanks, um, you you had a question you wanted to ask our, our listeners real quick. Yes, I want to ask our ask listeners. Yes, I'll ask the yeah. question. So at our church right now, uh, for the last you know, 30 years, they've been doing institutional, tradition, not the modern traditional youth ministry, kids ministry, where youth are over here, kids are over here. If you're listening, you're familiar with that. But what we're doing is we are taking it all the way back down and rebuilding it fully as integrated family ministry in the church. That doesn't mean we won't have separate things for students and kids, but we all want to have everyone pointed in the same direction, lots of overlap, lots of family involvement. We've kind of looked at some trends, big youth ministries, and and the people who tend to stay in church are the ones whose whole families are engaged. Now, obviously, some people don't have families. That's something we work through. But why I bring that up is because I am looking to interview a pastor who has done this or who is doing it, who can go ahead and point out the pitfalls, who can point out the struggles and can show the victories. You know, because in a lot of ways, what we're really returning to is the way church was for a long time, where your family was fully engaged. And we're looking to bring back the traditional church in the modern era. So if you're doing that, please reach out to me. My email is delmarpete at gmail. Shoot me an email. I'd love to catch up with you about it and maybe um, get an interview here for the pod because I think there's a lot of people asking questions. I'm actually meeting with a pastor in this community this week. He's like, hey, I'm working on family ministries. Can can you know I twist you know, can we talk a little bit? So, anyways, I'd love to talk to one of y'all. So hit me up and hopefully in the future podcast we can really take a deep dive into uh family ministry. Delmar, can I make one clarification and then ask a question? Clarify and ask. Clarification is you're not interviewing them for a job. No. You're interviewing them for this podcast. Yes. Well, you know, somebody might listen and be like, I want to hire that guy, but you wouldn't be working at my church. Gotcha. (laughs) But but yeah, like, yeah. And then the question is, 
Uh, who on your church staff um, heard that Vadi Bauckham sermon about integrated ministry and brought it to the table? <laughs> I don't know if anyone <laughs> did, but bro, I will tell you, I love him. But He's he does get for that. Yes, he is. So, but you know, it's one of those things. Um, I know churches are doing it, and I know some of them are doing it well. But it's just not. It's not prevalent right now, and I don't know. You know, I think we're. You know, there's a legacy of what we're coming out of. I think a lot but, of smaller churches like mine are doing it without knowing we're doing anything other than exactly. being a church. So, can you imagine if you did what you're doing in your church and 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 transmitted that knowledge? to churches who can take it in a in a smaller or larger context. Because I do think, you know, all of us have been in student ministry and we've seen the long-term results of, you know, attractional student ministry and, and where that leads. You're speaking against, like your critique is against the very, very siloed, like Absolutely. age silos, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, we if we, if we break that down, we are, they're going to stay. Like the percentages are insanely higher, you know, so, and, and they're going to be discipled better because they're exposed to more educated people in the church who've been discipled so much longer than just their peers. I think some of it's size dynamics too, though. I mean, agreed. You know, I think very, very large churches have a different, different way of having to deal with the logistics of all it, these kids. But yes, but I think it's a conversation worth having for sure. A hundred percent. Because I, I will say, as someone who's been in a larger church, that'd be a logistical nightmare. But should we shy away from it because we don't have it down? No, I think that's what we lean into. I think that's the sauce, you know. So, anyways, the, uh, the outcome of siloed large student ministries, their age and stage, lead to great disciples and the church is flourishing because of it. So, oh, okay, I say that because every, <laughs> a lot of people listening to us are from are you at least were or are youth pastors in those settings. So, no, no shade to you. There's no shade unless you unless you want to work at Dumbar's church, in which you can't. No, there's because no. you. Purpose-driven, crazy person. You, right. you seeker-sensitive, hey, d- depraved no. wretches. And by the way, that Vody Bakum <laughs> stuff, like, I have a very conflicted relationship with Vody because yep. I loved him, and I was like, oh, you don't want me to have my job. Got it. All right. It was very, very complicated because uh, I think, I like you know, I've, I've listened to Vody for hours and hours and hours, and I think the biggest way I can extract from him is not that he doesn't want student pastors to have a job. He just doesn't want them to be taking the jobs from the parents. You know what I'm saying? Like the primary disciplers. So, sure. and, and I mean, I, I did the student, I've done student ministry. I'm doing it now. I, I love it. I have no ill will toward it. I just think that there's an edge that we gain by pulling in the entire family. So some, somebody right now is listening and they're getting like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're speaking my language. Email me. Because even if somebody's never going to do this, I think we need to get the, to get some more exposure on this model of church. So hit and, me up. And then. And then there's someone else saying, boo this guy, yeah, boo. boo. And as oh. you're booing, let's answer this question from a <laughs> yeah, Speaking of student youth, ministry, here we go. Yeah, a go. youth pastor that's in siloed ministries. That's taking his kids mm. on, a, on a mission trip. Without their parents. Without their parents. Because he hates their parents. Of course. Wow. Okay, just kidding, just kidding. Hey, Ronald, <laughs> good to see you. Hey, we're, talk, we're answering your question. Um, Ronald, I love Ronald because he posted this question as anonymous and then signed it because he knew I would read the question as it was anonymous. <laughs> he knows you well. Um, That's but funny. yeah, uh, on the Facebook group, Ronald asked, I'm going on a missions trip next week, so I'm presuming it might be this week he's doing the trip. Uh, we already have every place we are going to work on the schedule and what we are going to do there as well. One of the coworkers. One of my coworkers, one of the people who work with him, works with him, seems to think that it is way less spiritual for him to go ahead and type up the mission trip updates that 
get sent out daily and schedule them ahead of time. Mm. He could easily edit them and say, if the spirit moves, but I also want to rest assured knowing updates will be sent out rather than spacing them and not sp- sending any the whole trip. And it's a, uh, he's basically asking, is, is this wise to have like mm. scheduled emails? Because you know, if you ever go on a missions trip with an organization, you kind of know day to day what you're going to do. The only thing you Pretty probably much. can't add is like image, like pictures of like what happened. But like you could send like a a text based email of like, hey, this is what we did this day. This is what we did that day. Um, so he's asking like, is he not spiritual enough because he doesn't want to? He, is he because he wants to schedule it out, or is he on the right track? What are y'all's thoughts? I think not only should he schedule it out, he should get Chat GPT to write it. That's what. I- <laughs> I think, Ronald, you um, should change the culture of your church where people don't expect daily updates on mission trips. There no, you go. I'm just kidding. Get to it. Get to it. <laughs> no, but, but seriously, okay, so what's coming to my mind, this is an extreme case scenario. I could see where, say you go to camp or your mission trip, something horrible happens, and your automated email goes out. Today was such a blessed day. We were riding around the countryside. Meanwhile, everybody's like, oh, my goodness, this horrible thing. It'll look like a disconnect. Granted, what are the chances of that happening? But I think just making sure you got a pulse on when your email's going out, and if something comes up, I would at least review them in the morning before they went out or in the evening. That that would be my two cents. But at the same time, I, it's like a sermon. I'm not going to write my sermon. on the, I, If I know where the sermon's going, I'm going to sit down, exegete, exposit, insert my stuff. If the Spirit comes in the middle of the sermon, I'm going to follow the rabbit trail, but I'm not going to show up not prepared. And then on top of that, and I'll shut up, like... His, his job is to be there is to be with those people, making the memories, doing the ministry. And if he's huddled up in a room for 30 minutes, writing an email in a third world country, well, then, I mean, like, what are you really gaining and losing, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think there's any, I think there's no, it's unspiritual or spiritual to schedule things ahead of time. I mean, I can't see how, I, I don't understand that. that. This to me is the same person who would tell me as a worship leader that, uh, you shouldn't have an order of service. Right. You should just like move where the spirit leads. And I'm like, yeah, but the spirit led on Thursday when I planned this. So that's what I would say, Ronald. Like, <laughs> I just would ignore that and maybe take this person off the email chain so they don't get these automated <laughs> emails. I guess. Well, but yeah, and, and I, I do it's the a same co-worker. thing. I, I mean, yeah, I schedule stuff. Um, I schedule stuff for church. Our church's social media. And I just like schedule it all on Monday until the next Monday, and then you and then I don't have to, exactly why you said I know how scatterbrained I am, and not even on a mission trip, just in life, and I will forget to send things out. So when I can schedule things ahead of time, I find that I'm much more productive. And I would say, you know, a, a counter argument on the spiritual side of this is actually this allows you to be much more present with your students, like what Dell said, uh, which as a you know a pastor a leader is really a lot more important than getting updates out um yeah. i think it's kind of cool that you're doing daily updates i honestly said that joke a minute ago about not doing updates because i never thought to do this uh when i went on trips with kids i just like we would just when we got home they would all come up on a sunday and we would share about what happened and each kid would share their own updates but i never had like a running update on any kind of trips i ever led uh in student ministry so uh kudos mm-hmm. to you for even doing that and I'll, I'll say one thing you could do, which might add some, you know, you can make it a ministry opportunity. I mean, you might have a student who yeah. can write these updates and say, hey, would you be my update person? I mean, how great would it be if a student is the one, 
Hey, this is what we're doing day one. This is what, and they get to take some photos. Like now you've got, you might find that you've got some people, uh, some talents and some gifts to serve that you don't even know about yet. So yeah, I mean, you could Ronald, make it a ministry. Maybe you can uh, write prompts for every day ahead of time and give them to that student. Oh. And then that student could fill it in with pictures and yeah. like the details of what actually happened. Now I'm kind of like, jazzed so, about that. So that, then <laughs> you, like know, that you know that like what you want to have covered in the email is covered. Like, you know, the prompt might be, here's a location we went to. Here's what we're going to do. And, you know, then tell a story about what happened or ask one of your one of your co-student friends to tell you a story as the student writing this email uh, based on these prompts and then add a picture and send it or add a picture and tell me it's updated and then I'll send it at the end of the day or whatever. So, yeah, I think that's a great idea. And I think that's just a that's a good rule of thumb for ministry as much as you can give away. I think one of the one of the coolest things I, I, I did with my students is I got like five or six of the ones who were, you know, pretty far along in the faith. And I had them each write a devotion. And then um, when a new student came to church, they would receive a, 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 a bound devotion written by students for the students. And like that, because that communicates something huge to the, both the student and to the parent when they get home. What's this? Well, it's something written by the students and it's really nice. Like, so this, I would apply this principle anywhere, but I mean, having your a student or a parent do the updates for you, you know, that's something I've learned in ministry. Like a lot of tasks I hate doing, I feel bad asking other people to do it, but they want to, and it like makes them filled to do it, you know? That, that's good. Um, I know you joked about this, Jeff, in the beginning about like trying to create a culture where you don't send emails or something on the missus trip. I actually was trying to say I was half though, kidding. I know. I was, thinking, <laughs> I was trying to think of my my time when I was in student ministry. On summer camps, we would we – would, so I don't think I ever did emails. I'm trying, I don't know if I did emails or not. But one thing I, I remember is this. And this is the most effective. Now, I'm, I'm guessing a couple of things about Ronald is that this is a middle school missus trip. So um, so there's a different dynamic with, like, I think parents want more communication. I think in mm. general, parents want communication. So, like, I think I wrote this in a Facebook group. My, my first thought is um, any communication is good communication when you take your mm -hmm. kids out of the country or when you take your kids on any trip. The more communication parents get, I think they appreciate it, uh, 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 even if it's scheduled or not. But I would say instead of doing like a text-based thing, if, if this is out of the country, it's a little bit more complicated, but you can probably do a plan for this. Um, some like phone plans, they'll give you like, um, like, okay, for a week if you're in Costa Rica, it's only like an additional 20 bucks, and then you can have access to your phone. What I would do is have a Facebook group for just there the parents. Go. That's great. And then, and then and instead of actually doing like written updates – do like just photos of like what's actually happening and do just a quick like hey this is us doing this or whatever parents love photos of their kids and facebook yeah yeah <laughs> but the other side of that is um if you do want to do like a what did we do type of thing this is a great opportunity just to you know shoot a quick 10 minute not 10 minute like a two minute video of a kid saying hey this is what we did today this is what i learned like that's way better and mm -hmm. way more like fun, and then you have photos and videos for the future, and and it's way easier. So I remember like we did that for summer camp. Like I would take a bunch of photos during the day, and then at night I would just dump them on Facebook for people to see it, and then people got their update for camp. Mm -hmm. um, I think on Mrs. Trips I did something similar, but um, I actually do remember sending some emails on a Mrs. Trip. But again, I think there's actually some wisdom here where it's saying like I don't want to necessarily be boggled down. For 30 minutes after lights out 
when I mm-hmm. need sleep too to send an email to parents. I think there's I think if if I were to do a combination of the two and I had internet access on my laptop or something, I would schedule out the mail chips and then keep like an area for photos and yeah. then like just pop a photo in there of like So the writing's already done, but you just can't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cuz you're right, the day is pretty predictable. And then if something really did happen that was like the spirit moved, all the kids got saved, something happened like that, then you can edit the email, but you don't have to necessarily like um, write something new every time. That, Ronald, thank you for that question. Uh, hope your mission trip is going well because I'm assuming it's right now. It might be, you know, most people when they do middle school mission trips, it's a domestic trip. So even this idea of doing like the, the photos and stuff like that is probably more feasible because you're probably in the country. All right, the next question comes from CJ in our Facebook group again. He says this, I'm the only full-time staffer on our ch- at our church. We do not have a secretary. We do have a part-time kids minister, worship minister, and youth minister. We have several team leaders that help out. I'm in the process of refining roles due to not being the pastor that gave the guidance for a little over a year. So everyone is just flying on their own. My question is this, how do those in your, in, those of you in similar situations make sure that everyone is communicating well? What systems have you put in place to keep all part-time workers organized and on the same page? I will say this before you guys answer. One thing I've learned with part-time people is that like when you have part-time staff, if it, it, it doesn't necessarily free you up Mm-mm. in your job as much as you're like now like overseeing and like keeping together their job. It's it's it, sometimes I feel like having part time staff or even like interns adds more work than it than it takes away work. But yeah, that's my two cents. I want to hear from you two. Since, yeah, but it uh, adds overall capacity to the team. You know what I mean? That's right. So that's it right. might add like five percent to you, but it added thirty five percent to y- your overall team. Mm-hmm. So it's like. Yep, I mean, my last position I had before where I'm at now, I had a part-time youth guy at one time. I had a part-time um, tech person, part-time kids person, and an intern. So everyone under me for a, a season was part-time. And a couple of things that I learned about getting us on the same page was, like, I have to really be considerate of their schedule. Because a part-time – I can't just say show up at 9 on a Tuesday to a part-time. Yeah. You, know, you know? So what I did – it made for a long day for me, but it was very helpful for them as I stacked our meetings after church on a Sunday. I would bring in lunch. We'd do it like once a month. I don't have a big huddle. And we would just, we'd talk through stuff. Because for me, having that um, not intrude on their calendar, because like you said, you're not getting much capacity. They're, they're, you know, what's that saying? There's no such thing as part-time really in the ministry. So like being able to be mindful of that, Plus, I mean, Frank, you know, to what you were talking about with Facebook, you can make a group that because what I've noticed about working with other part time staff is you make a chat like on text. That thing's going to get muted so fast, man. But if you if you make a group on, you know, it could be Discord, Facebook, whatever, and say, hey, just check it, you know, throughout your you know, couple times a day. We'll know. I'm going to know at three and five, you know, we're getting responses and stuff. You can make a way to do that as well. And right now, um, the church I'm at, we have, um, we're, there's four, four full time, but we have some very high capacity volunteers. Like, honestly, you could pay them, you know, cause they're like people who don't, that's their job is there at the church. And we, once a quarter, um, in order to keep our ducks in a row, we have a big calendar meeting, um, 
we say, hey, and, and I don't take a Saturday from them. I pick a day during the week or we, we do it on Sunday. And what we're going to be doing now is we're going to be taking, and I know, Frank, your church has probably got systems developed for this. We're developing the system now. We're going to take all the information for all of our stuff. I'm making one calendar. You could put on your iPhone and just click it on church. You know when everything's happening because part-time people like they don't need all the intrusiveness of a full-time staffer, you know, they need, or, or they get burned out. So like they already are familiar with their iPhone. So I'm going to make a separate calendar, put all of our events in there. So I'm trying to work it into their current world instead of making them come all the way into full-time feeling world. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I would say uh, there's a couple things I, I'm thinking of as we sit here. Number one is I think use some of the technology that is available to you to mitigate. Um, I'm a, I'm going to take this in two different directions. I think what you mean is like how are they communicating well to you and to each other as a team. So from that end, what I don't have part-time staff, but I have you know team leaders for different ministries. And one of the things I recently did is with my advisory committee, which is kind of what we call our board right now, um, I actually used, if you have Planning Center, I used Planning Center and created a service type that was actually just meetings. Uh, and I created the teams within Planning Center so that I can send them out a request as if it's a service and they can accept or decline. Uh, because people resp- people in my church are decent at hitting accept or decline. And then that means I don't have to have like a reply all email thread of, mm. yeah, I can be there, but I can't. They can just hit that button, and I can pull up that meeting and see it. So what I did is, um, and I would guess this would probably work for part-time staffers as well, uh, maybe more often, but I separate my meetings into tactical and strategic. So with my board, I have a once-a-month tactical meeting, which is a stand-up 15-minute meeting after church. Uh, so we just we literally stand up. Uh, we don't let ourselves sit down so that the meeting is quick. And we get to what we need to get to. And then once a month on, I think it's like we found Monday night worked well for us. We're going to do a two-hour strategic meeting where we're going to get deeper into self and talk about mission and vision and all that. So maybe that's something to that effect can work for your staffers. In terms of the actual communication to you, I would say figure out what you actually need from them in terms of what you need them to communicate to you. Um, So for me... For my ministry leaders, what I need is like attendance numbers. If anyone's you know come to faith, uh, how can we be praying? And all I did was I, I just took those questions and created a Google form. So that person then just gets on the Google form and to make me a report, they just have to answer questions. They don't have to write Mm. a report, keep a Word document going. And I think that could probably work well for part-time staffers if there's specific questions that you need. Uh, answered on a consistent basis. Like you need from the youth pastor, I need to know how many kids are coming to youth group so that when I go to the board meeting as a, as the pastor, I have that information. I even created my own pastor's report on Google Forms. Mm. So I just can go in there without having to really come up with, you know, and write a document and worry about formatting and all that. I just fill out my Google Form. It spits out all the information I yeah. need. It's recorded by time. It's all in one place. It like has worked really well. Um, and then I would say on the spiritual side of this as the leader, you really have to, especially when you're changing this kind of stuff, uh, and you're wondering, how do I – because the, the, you said fl- everyone flying on their own. I, I, when I heard that and read that in the question, that is like, uh, uh, like a trigger word for me. Mm. Like as a leader in an organization, people flying, doing their own thing is like the opposite of what I want to happen. 
Um, but uh, I think that's a good thing for the leader to try to want everyone to come under one page or under one umbrella. But the danger of it is that it can become control pretty quick for me. Like my insecurities, my stuff can turn, I want to help this organization be unified into, I want everything to be done how I want to do it. Um, so I would say, and this is just a leadership principle in general, you really have to pay attention to <coughs> your soul and your spirit Man, and yeah. like be working on the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, right? You're going to need a lot of patience. If you're just coming into this and people have been doing this way for a year, mm -hmm. um, you're going to have to be patient with how you guide this and and you're going to have to be willing to listen as well to like, hey, the system you put in place isn't really working in terms of like maybe you're being a little bit too dogmatic about when staff is meeting and all that. Now, the other direction I see this going uh, is communication going out from the staff to the congregation. And that's where I would say coming up with something like a brand guide. Um, I know that's like a marketing term, but like a brand guide would really help you. Because what it's – and it can just be one page. It doesn't have to get into – if you don't have a church logo and all that, I mean, if you have one, definitely you want this. But even just in terms of, like, when are we going to communicate? How are we going to communicate? What are the channels of communication? Because in this situation, I'm guessing you've got, you know, um, the youth minister communicating to his volunteers one way and his parents, the worship guy is doing something else. Like, you need a unified system for how the – the church as an organization communicates out to people in your congregation. So a brand guide would be really helpful. Uh, maybe you want to create a, uh, a group me. Maybe you want to use a, something like Clearstream, which is a texting service. Maybe Planning Center is what you want to use. But I just think you want to come up with, hey, everyone, we're all going to start to use MailChimp lists to communicate with our volunteers and with the people in our church. When you are communicating about events – can you please run that through me so that for, for six months so that we can all make sure that we're saying things with the same wording? That's where a brand guide is really helpful. Yeah. Um, I can send you the one from my denomination, which I use also, uh, Frank, for the show notes, just as a sample. It's, it's obviously a lot bigger than you would need for uh, this, but this, that could be really helpful. Just here's some of the language we want to use. If you have specific wording that you want to emphasize, I would definitely put that in there. You know, If you have a vision and a mission that – we use the words worship community and mission at my church a lot. So what I don't want to have is leaders using other terminology and other things. I want to keep it as unified as I can. So that's what I would say about communication if that's what you meant. Yeah. And yeah, and Jeff, just to kind of piggyback off of that, unfortunately, if, if they've been doing their own thing for it could be a year or it could be, you know, Sister Church's inception, one of our jobs as pastors is to have help everybody have the same language. Because that's how things get missed, you know, lost in translation. So unfortunately or fortunately, you may need to be the funnel for a minute for the language. You know, right. for, for example, at our church, we call we don't call our teenagers youth. We call them students. So if I have a part-time person who makes a, a thing on their phone that says, youth gathering at my house at 6, you, it, it might be healthy for a season say, listen, if you want an announcement to go out, please just send it to me first. And for a season, just so you can all get on the same page, because like you said, that is, that's going to be a challenge. Now, some people are going to really willingly do that and some are going to get pushed back. So one tool I'll give you, I feel it's very practical and y'all probably heard of it. Have y'all heard of the lion, otter, beaver, golden retriever personality inventory? 
Nope. It's like the non-pagan Enneagram. Okay. So, uh, it, you, <laughs> you could take it, um, and you could literally just Google it. It's, I'm telling you guys, it is very helpful. Um, don't tell them what it is. Just have them take the test. It takes like five minutes. And then at the end, it pairs you down into whether your personality is a lion, you know, take charge, otter, social, golden retriever, loyal, or beaver, which are the people who like the tasks and love details. And then it shows you how these people play with each other, where the pitfalls may be, where your strengths are. And why I would encourage this is if this is your part-time person, it gives you a really quick snapshot of who this person is. Because I had a part-time person serving under me and they kept getting anxious. They kept getting anxious. They take the test. I find out they're a beaver. Oh, because they need details. I'm not a detail person, right? So then I go to them and I say, hey, listen, I'm not a, would you be kind of my details? Oh, yes. And now their anxiety's down because they're getting, they're leading out of their personality. So when you, when you, when you learn your people, your part-time people's actual personality, like what makes them tick, then it really helps the communication a tremendous amount. I have a really close friend. He's a lion and lions can be territorial, especially if there's change, they want to be the conduit, but sometimes you're not, you know? So sometimes he, he knows that about himself. So he's able to rein his own self in and, and fall in line better. So I would encourage like helping you may, maybe even doing a personality inventory. That's going to help you on the backside, not just to communicate, but to communicate in an effective way that our people actually listen. You know, I, I wasn't going to, uh, you know, contribute to this because I figured you guys would have better stuff than I did. But, but like I, one of y'all made me think about this, you know, um, when it comes to the announcements piece about like, you know, having run all the announcements by the lead pastor and stuff like that. And, and, um, one thing that we do at my church. And so this, I'm trying to, I'm going to try to boil this down as simple as I can, because it's probably one of the most like, um, not frustrating, but like cumbersome things that we do as a staff in order for all of us to like be on the same page. So what we do is we make a map, which it's, it's, I think MAP stands for Ministry Alignment Plan. Mm-hmm. And what, what it does is we, like, have this – and it's, like, a form, and it's, like, we're supposed to fill out the form in a certain way, and, and, and we, we see the, the calendar in, like, quarters. And so basically any event I wanted to do in a quarter, I write it all in there with the dates and information. And then um, – and so, so unfortunately, CJ, like, since they're all part-time, a lot of this back-end work is going to come on you – but, like, they fill out the form. They fill out all the events they want to do and stuff like that. And then you get all that information. And on a spreadsheet, we have every we have this calendar called the communications calendar. It's not a calendar. It's a spreadsheet. But we treat it like a calendar. And it's, like, the most important document, one of the most important documents in our entire church. Like, like it's so important that, like, only, like, two people have editing privileges on it. Mm. But everyone can see it, but only two people can edit it. Because like, if you screw up this calendar, it screws up everything. For everything, us. and it's a and it's spreadsheet. And so on the spreadsheet, it's every single week, every single sermon, every single preacher who's preaching that week, like where everybody is, like who's doing the announcements, who what's going on, and then this is where it's important: what events are happening that week. Mm. And then the same document also helps us know like what announcements will be said in service. Yeah. Um, so that way that's clear. But what this helps us is when we have a ministry alignment plan before anything gets on that document, that big calendar, um, we have a meeting where we share our maps 
and we talk about, okay, why is it that everyone is doing a volunteer appreciation on the same week with some of the same volunteers? Like, what if we had one volunteer appreciation and we bring all the ministries together? Like, those alignment plans help bring us, bring bring um, alignment, right? And they bring us all together. That's like a, a big task to get to eventually, but like, you have to create some sort of system where one, all the ministries are communicating with one another and they know what everyone's doing because the reality is you probably have students whose parents are serving in the worship team or like you have people who are in the kids ministry who are also, you know, their parents volunteer in the student. Like these ministries aren't siloed as even if they are siloed, like they're not as siloed as we would like them to be. And so therefore like to be able to have everyone communicate together is vitally important. And I think if everyone's, you know, going off their own, you know, whim, then you have student ministry playing a whole calendar with no communication to anyone else. Hmm. You have kids doing their own thing, uh, worse than doing their own thing. And like, there could be some, um, alignment that could be helpful hmm. The one for your budget and two for like the, the capacity of your team. And then, and then, and then you're able to like kind of see, what everyone's doing and be able to speak into it more clearly with that being said that's i mean that's literally just like a google sheet like that's not like a like it's not a sauna that's not some pro that's just like google it's just a spreadsheet that we put everything together that we're able to share with everybody mm. the um the one thing i would encourage you that jeff touched about how like if you were to come into my staff and say i need to control everything and bring everything together like that feels like control one thing I would do is speak to that tension and say, hey, as the new pastor, when there's change, there's going to be tension. And with that tension, I want you to ask yourself this question and have very transparent communication. When you feel conflict with the change, is that conflict because things are changing and we just, and we're just don't like change? Or do you think it's actually bad? And I, and I think like when, you ha when you're able to like answer those questions, like – for example, if I have to now change the way I turn in receipts, I'm not going to like that. But mm -hmm. that's just because it's changed. It's just something I don't want to do, right? But if we go from expositional preaching to topical preaching and we're doing like a, a series like like a, a topical series that like is not exposition, you know what I'm saying? Like that I'm going to feel like is a, a change in vision and mission and that's going to be felt differently as a staff person than just like not turning in receipts. So I think like a lot of the things that you're going to be asking is going to be more the former. Like I'm just changing processes and the way you communicate. I, I think addressing that tension is important because one, you'll appeal to them by saying, Hey, I care about you. I know this change is going to be difficult. So let's walk through this. Let's have some goals. Like, Hey, for the next three months, we'll do this. I can help you have any questions. And then, as opposed to like being like, we're doing this change, and if you don't do it, you're in trouble. Like, make sure that like you're guiding people in that because otherwise, I know a lot of people who quit a church when the new senior pastor comes in, not because they don't like the senior pastor, but they don't like all the changes, mm. and the changes just happen because it was just like an ivory tower announcement. Like, I come out my office, we're doing these changes, and they leave, and now people are just forced to change without understanding why they need to change or to be walked in that. Does that make sense? So, yeah. Uh, Anyways, I hope these are helpful. I think this is helpful. Uh, guys, I've really enjoyed this episode. I think there's a lot of practical conversation here. And if you want to continue this practical conversation, join us over on our Facebook group. 
Uh, search Practically Pastoring on Facebook. You'll find us there. Find us on Instagram. I'm going to try to get that personality test that Delmar mentioned and that uh, brand guide that Jeff mentioned. I'll try to put in the show notes. What's funny is, um, like, we made a brand guide for our church a couple uh, years ago. And, like, I'm not saying you need this, CJ, or every church needs this. But, like, we go down to, like, the fonts we use. And, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It's helpful. Like, we, we you know, that's we. What you, that's what a brand guide is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, I think there's definitely, like, uh, like, for example, if you did, like, hey, all emails to the congregation that are going to be for groups are going to go through MailChimp. And here are a template for each ministry to use, right. right? Like, here's a student's template. Here's a kid's template. Here's a worship template. But, you know, obviously individual emails still use your email. But, like, you know, kind of those type of conversations. And that can feel very controlling. But, like, the way you communicate that and articulate that is going to be super helpful in the long run. Because having that kind of consistency, even if it's a small church, um, is, one, going to clean everything up. Because now you have paper trails and you have organization and you're actually helping the part-time person who's limited in their ability to be creative and limited in their ability to have resources. And you're saying, I'm providing you, I'm doing half the job for you. Here's a template. Here's, here's that stuff. Um, you know, it's going to, it's going to be helpful, but you have to learn how to communicate that and walk in them by holding their hands because some of these folks, you know, they're stuck in their ways and they don't want to change. So (laughs) it's been fun. I hope to see you next week. Hopefully, Andrew and Tim can join us. Tim, don't mosh too hard to Blink-182. You and the other, like, 40-year-olds who are going to Blink-182 <laughs> concerts in 2023. Um, Andrew, uh, uh, I know you're a doctor now, and you're speaking all the, over the place. Uh, don't forget us little people while you're out there, okay? Enjoy the cinnamon rolls, hopefully. Mm. <laughs> um, with that being said, I'm Frank Gill. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Delmar Pete. And this is Perfectly Pastoring. Bye. Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group, where we get to share ideas and make each other better. So, thought, um, we're doing this with our podcast for Family Ministries, so one of the reasons I started it